0: What's up, guys? Welcome back to another Daily Bible Reading Snapshot. Today, we're going to finish the story of Balaam and how he actually turns those curses that he wanted to curse the people of God with into blessings because God wanted to bless the people. So in chapter 24, we're going to see that. But also, one particular thing that happens here that's really famous is verse 17 of chapter 24. God is going to speak through Balaam to give a prophecy, not just any prophecy, but a really important prophecy that's about Jesus Christ himself. So verse 17 says, I see him now. And this is Balaam speaking, but not now. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. So something's long away. Something's far off. A star shall come out of Jacob and a scepter shall rise out of Israel and it shall crush the forehead of Moab and break down the sons of Seth. So you see how you've got this interesting, far off thing that Balaam sees. And we think that this is talking about Jesus because for some reason, the people from the East seem to reference this passage as a passage that they said, well, clearly there's going to be a star that rises in in the distance that's going to show that the, the ruler from Israel is going to be born. Now, when the wise men came at Jesus's birth, they said, Oh, we saw a star in the distance. And we knew that the King of Israel must be born. Um, and I think, well, how did they know about this right here? Cause this is numbers. I mean, this is the writing of Moses. How would they have known that? Well, remember who was the lead magi or the lead wise man for the Babylonians at one time, it was Daniel. So I think that they probably got that command or that uh, promise rather from Daniel because he had it with him. So anyway, that's kind of interesting, but that happens here and and Balaam is going to speak and say, God's people are going to go ahead. Now, as they go ahead and live, uh, it says that the Israelites started to sin. There were people in the Israelite camp who were taking wives from Moab. And remember, that was not okay because the Moabites were worshiping other false gods. And those women were going to turn their new husband's hearts away from God. And it says that they were already doing that. And it says that one particular instance, there was this guy who took his new wife right through the middle of the camp and was doing something bad and shaming everybody by walking her right through the camp. And it says that Phinehas got so mad, this is the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron. So Phinehas, probably a relatively young man at this point, he takes a spear and he drives it through both of them. Okay, goes into their tent and drives one spear through both of them you would think, well, God's going to start a plague. This was terrible. I can't believe this happened. Well, God starts a plague, but it's not Phinehas' fault. It's because they were disobeying God. And God says something to Phinehas. He says, you had the zeal that you should have had. Uh, look what he says in verse uh, verse number 12. He says, therefore, say, behold, I give to him, Phinehas, my covenant of peace. And it shall be to him and to his descendants after him, the covenant of a perpetual priesthood because he was jealous for his God and made atonement for the people of Israel. So God is not angry at Phinehas. God is angry at the people and he's happy at what Phinehas did right here to be bold and to be zealous, to fight the sin that was going on in the camp. And that might be like, well, that's really exciting. But the, the problem is for us, when we look at that, well, the, the, the fight for sin needs to start with us. It needs to start in our own heart because you don't see Phinehas committing this sin, right? He's innocent from the sin. He's doing exactly what God wants. That's what gives him the zeal and the boldness to fight sin out there in the world, so to speak, is that he's already dealing with it himself. Now, that should be a motivation to us when we see this to say, wow, if there's sin going on in our hearts, let's kill it there, and then we can worry about fighting it in the world. So uh, not even just in the world, in the realm of God's people because that's really what's happening here. He's not just going out and and hurting people out in the world. He's fighting for God's honor among God's people. So that happens in 25, now 26. It says that the new generation is listed. We get another number, 601,730 fighting men. So that's a lot of uh, men who are ready to fight, but notice that number has gone down slightly from what we've seen in the past. And you might say, well, wait a minute. I thought tons of people had died because there's all these plagues. Yeah, but remember there are children that are born in the wilderness who are growing up to be adults in this time. And it says that basically the the mantle of leadership is passed from from uh, Aaron, remember a couple chapters ago. Now it's with Eleazar and his son Phinehas. Now we see the 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 people kind of being transferred over to a new generation. And I guess the question I have for you in this regard is if you're, you know, younger than a fighting man, so if you're a teenager, right? Are you gonna be a person who steps up in the next generation to lead God's people? Are you gonna be one of those people? Or are you gonna be like one of these uh, people who are worshiping Baal and um, going after the Moabite girls and saying, yeah, we're gonna be all about um, the here and now, or are you gonna stand up for God? That's a very, very clear command in the rest of scripture, that we need to be zealous for the Lord. Romans 12 says we need to have zeal for the Lord, but also we need to see, we want to be leaders among the people of God. And you're only gonna do that if you're ready and prepared right now. So uh, that's a hopefully a helpful motivation for you to get ready and get prepared so that you can be like Phinehas, and you can be like Joshua who are leading the people in the next generation. So. We are looking now at Mark chapter 8. Mark 8, we see a variety of things here. First of all, the main overarching idea is that the people that Jesus is interacting with have a little bit of faith. The disciples, they have a little bit of faith. They kind of get who Jesus is. And then they get him better. They get him more fully. And even Peter understands who Jesus is in a very full way. And he says, yeah, you are the Christ, the son of God. And sandwiched between those two things is a miracle that's very often misunderstood. And it's the healing of this guy who is blind. He couldn't see and he's healed. But the problem is it's not like the other healings of Jesus where he's instantaneously healed. This healing is different because it says that um, at the beginning it says Jesus spits in his eyes and he says, Do you see anything? And it says, yeah, I see men, but they're like a bunch of trees walking around. I can kind of see, but I can't see really clearly. And then it says, he laid his hands on his eyes again, and he opened his eyes, and his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Now, why did Jesus do that? Well, I think that this little story, this miracle, Mark puts it here as a reflection of what happened with the disciples. It's like Jesus showed them, and they had faith, and they trusted him a little bit, and they could see, kind of. But then Jesus needs to open their eyes again so that they can really see clearly. And for some of us, we read the Bible and we know things about God. And it's like, yeah, we trust Jesus a little bit, but we haven't been saved. Our eyes haven't been opened completely. We can't see our sin for what it is. And what we need to be praying for is God to open our eyes to show us that. And for some of you, you know what that's like you know what it's like to learn about God and to start to gain knowledge of God and say, wow, this is amazing. I didn't get this stuff before. But then to see your sin and to see it really exposed for you. And that's, I think, what is trying to be shown here. Basically, the disciples had a little bit of faith and then they trusted a lot. What we want to do, if we're Christians, we want to have a lot of faith in Jesus. We want to see clearly how Jesus wants us to see. So I think that's a big takeaway. And really, how are we going to see how God wants us to see without talking to God and praying to God and being in His Word. And I know it always comes back to that, but that's where we need to stay. We need to abide in His Word and also abide in prayer um, if we want to be people who have faith in Jesus, who trust Him every single day. So, thanks for reading with us. We'll see you back tomorrow for another Daily Bible Reading Snapshot.